Thoughts of you dance across the portals of my mind. You're my all-consuming passion. I'm enraptured by you. If, if I had to swim across the Pacific Ocean just, just to get a glimpse of you, I would swim it. He said, if I, I had to sail across the Atlantic just to get to you, I would sail. I'm simply that much in love with you. Then he put at the end of the letter, P.S. If it's not raining, I'll see you at the park. <laughs> you know, it's real easy to talk about overcoming, isn't it? It's really easy to talk about how much we love God, to talk about how, how much we really want to live the Christian life. But sometimes all it takes is a little bit of rain pouring down in our life and suddenly it stops us. It becomes a really big obstacle in our life. And our words really at the end mean nothing. So then what makes the difference? How is it? What is the secret then to overcoming in the Christian life? Well, we're going to learn about Joseph who was an overcomer in his life. Who was a person that if you looked at him just from the outside looking in, you would think there's no way this person should succeed. There's no way that Joseph should have been an overcomer. He came from a very dysfunctional family. His brothers were mean, cruel, malicious. He was uh, a, they were brothers that were um, evil, really, at heart. Uh, they planned the murder of a village from, uh, because of a wrong that had been done to their family, to their sister, Dinah. They, they were uh, jealous and envious of him, they hated him. In his, on his mom's side, his, his grandfather was an idol worshiper, a man that did not really fear God, a man that was not living right uh, with God. His dad was known as a deceiver, uh, just like uh, the grandfather before him on his mom's side. His, his dad uh, was also him and, 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 and uh, his grandfather uh, played tricks on one another. They were very, uh, very much deceiving one another. Uh, we find that in Joseph's life, and not only was his family situation dysfunctional, but just the circumstances of life were difficult for him. And yet, we find if you read from Genesis chapter 37 all the way to Genesis chapter 50, it talks about Joseph's life you'll find that he was an overcomer time after time after time. What was his secret? How did he do it? Well, it's very simple. I wish I could tell you that this secret was something that was uh, unheard of, that I was going to share with you something this morning that you've never seen in the Bible before, but I think what I'm going to share with you is something you've heard over and over and over again. In fact, I'm not the only preacher to ever preach on this subject. It's probably something you've heard many times if you've come to church or if you've grown up in church. The secret to overcoming is obedience to God. It's that simple. The secret to overcoming obstacles in your life, the secret to reaching the goals that God has placed in your life to reach is obedience to God. We find that in Joseph's life, he was a man that, a young man that was obedient 
to God all of his life. From the time that he was a young person to the time that he was an old uh, man in his old age, we find that he was always, in every step of his life, obedient. In fact, notice what it says in Genesis chapter 37. We're just going to read the first two verses. It says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. Jacob is Joseph's dad. Now, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, that's his son, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was the sons of uh, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now look now, if you would, down to verse number 12, 12, 13, and 14. It says here, uh, and his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, uh, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. We see in these verses that Joseph uh, is uh, uh, 17 years old at this point in his life. Joseph is one that his uh, father leaned on. His, uh, uh, his, his uh, father was uh, a man that uh, loved Joseph probably more than his brothers. Uh, he honored Joseph more than his brothers, but that's because Joseph was different from his brothers. And uh, you'll find that uh, Joseph in his life learned to obey God, learned to obey his uh, uh, Father Jacob learned obedience in his life, and because of that, was an overcomer. I, I want you to notice when it comes to obedience that Joseph obeyed even when it cost him. Even when it cost him. In verse number two, you find that uh, Jacob would tell his son Joseph, I, I want you to tell me what your brothers are doing. Now, some have painted Joseph as a tattletale because of that verse, but I don't believe the passage is saying that Joseph was a tattletale. A tattletale is someone that is going and telling others that don't really need to know about this or they can't do anything about it. Joseph wasn't just going and gossiping to the neighbor about what his brothers were doing. Joseph was telling his dad, the person that could do something about what his brothers were doing, someone that needed to know about uh, the evil report that his brothers had. That's who Joseph was talking to. Two, even as a teenager, Joseph had uh, um, some moral clarity, at least more than his brothers. And, and he was going and telling his dad, now he knew that by doing that, it was going to cost him in his life. He knew that by telling his dad what his brothers were doing, his brothers weren't going to be very happy. I don't know about you, but anytime that I've been doing something that's wrong and someone goes and tells on me, I'm not really happy with the person that goes and tells on me, Right? Uh, and it doesn't have to even be family. If, if someone goes and, and, you know, your neighbor goes and reports you about something to the, uh, you know, the HOA or to the police, you're just like, neighbor, what in the world? What, what's your problem, right? Uh, we don't like people uh, telling others of our wrongs because it, it, it becomes something that causes friction. But in spite of that, Joseph knew it was the right thing to do. He knew that God wanted him to do what is right even when it costs him. We find that Joseph was a young man that was willing to obey even when it costs him. Now, let me give you a couple principles 
about this truth, about obeying even when it costs us. Principle number one, it's better to be honest than to be loved. If you're going to be obedient in your life to God, you're going to have to understand this principle and believe it. It's better to be honest than to be loved. Jacob knew what kind of sons he had. He knew their character. He knew that they weren't uh, spiritual men. He knew that they weren't uh, making right decisions in their life. But he, he also knew that Joseph was a, a young man that had the moral clarity to see that and to let him know. And Joseph made the choice in his life that he was going to be honest and it was going to be better for him to be honest than to be loved by his brothers. He knew that by telling his father and grandfather what was going on, he knew the consequences, and yet he did it anyway. You know, you and I have been given much in the way of knowledge. We've been blessed in the day and age in which we live that we have the entire word of God. God's word teaches us what is truth. God's word teaches us what is right. The question isn't to ask ourselves, man, I, I, uh, is it right to be honest or not? No, it's right. The question is, will you be honest in your life? The, the question isn't, should I have integrity as a part of my character? No, the question is, will you have integrity? You know, it's interesting when you follow Jesus's life, when you follow Jesus's teachings, you find that he would tell his disciples and teach his disciples this principle. He would teach them about how it's so much more important to be honest than to be loved. In John chapter 6, there's a, a story when Jesus stopped feeding the multitudes, began to realize that so many were following him for the food, for the physical blessings that, that were coming by just following Jesus. And, and he knew that was not what was best for them. And, and he said, you know, you, he told the crowd, you're following me just to see what you can get from me. But you're not following me to hear the word of God. You're not following me for the desire and the thirst for truth. You're, you're, you're following me for a selfish reason. And he stopped. He said, I'm, I'm not going to be feeding you anymore. What I'll feed you is the spiritual food of the word of God. But other than that, I'm not going to. And it says there, I put this in your notes in verse 60. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? I, I don't know if I can follow Jesus if he's going to be talking like that. If he's not going to be giving us uh, food and giving us what we want and desire. I don't know if I can keep following him. And it says in verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Why? Jesus understood this. It's better to be honest. I need to be honest with you. You're not following me because you love me. You're following me because of what you can get. That's a wrong reason to follow me. Because the moment that I stop, like today, will you still follow me? It says many of the crowds said no. In fact, if you could continue reading in verse 68 and 67, 68, he turned to his own disciples and said, will you leave me too? And Peter, 
that, dis- that disciple that always had something to say, said, where do we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. We find that if we're going to obey, even when it costs us, then we need to live by the principle that it is much better to be honest than to be loved. Number two, it is better to suffer for doing good than doing evil. We find of Joseph that by telling on his brothers to his father of what they were doing, they hated him, they were envious of him, and they mistreated him because of it. In fact, they got to the point where they tied him up and threw him in a well. They couldn't speak kindly to him, they couldn't look at him, and to the point now they're mistreating him because of it. But Joseph knew this principle, it's better to suffer for doing good than doing evil. Anytime you and I stop conforming to this world and living after the philosophy of this world, then we will suffer. And just remember in your suffering that it is better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Can I say that when I talk about worldliness and living in the world and living like the world, I'm not talking about certain activities alone. I'm talking about a certain philosophy of life. When the Bible talks about worldliness, it's talking about a philosophy of life. A philosophy that says my happiness is more important than anybody else's. It's a very selfish view of life. It's saying happiness for me is getting these things. It's having all of this. Uh, We see that worldly philosophy that the devil tempted Jesus with in the book of Mark. He said, if you'll just worship me, you can have all of these kingdoms. All of it will be yours. It's, it's, all you got to do is just follow me. You know, Jesus got to the point in his life when, where when he was asked, Where do you live? He says, I don't have a home. I want to follow you. He said, look, foxes have holes. But I don't even have a place to lay my head. I don't. He suffered. But he found that suffering for good is better than suffering for evil. That's why Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 2 Timothy three twelve. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Listen, anytime, anytime you decide... I'm going to obey. I'm going to overcome. Obeying will cost you. Just remember, number one, it's better to be honest than be loved. Number two, it's better to suffer good than suffer for doing evil. Obeying will cost you. You will suffer, and you'll probably lose a lot of love from others. It's okay. It's worth it. It's the secret to overcoming in your Christian life. Number two, not only did Joseph obeyed even though it cost him. He obeyed when it would be difficult. 
even when it would be difficult. Now, let me just say that obedience is more important than the task. Obedience is more important than the task. It's, it's amazing when you get to verse number 12 that his dad now sends him to Shechem. Shechem was about 60 miles from Hebron. That's where they were at. Their camp was in Hebron. And his dad says, I need you to go check on your brother 60 miles away in Shechem. And Joseph says, okay, I'll go. And he goes to, to Shechem. When he gets there, he can't find him. He can't find his brothers. So then what happens? He says, well, I guess what I'll do is go right back home. He didn't. He didn't go right back home. He knew that his dad said, go find your brothers. That was really the command. I want you to tell me what your brothers are doing. Go and find them. When he went to Shechem, the task was go find the brothers. He got to Shechem. That's where he thought they were. That's where they were at one time. But they weren't there anymore. Nobody. I would not have blamed Joseph if he would have just gone back to his dad and said, hey, I went to Shechem 60 miles away. Couldn't find them. I don't know where they're at. And be done with it. I mean, technically, he is obeying. I mean, he did go to where his dad had told him to go, but, but he didn't do that. In fact, you'll find that he finds someone, and he asks them, hey, maybe you've seen my brothers, uh, another shepherd that was out there. And he said, yeah, I saw him in Dothan, and, and that was another 12 miles away. And what does Joseph do? He goes another 12 miles to find them. See, he, he, he learned that obedience, obedience was going to be difficult, Going 60 miles wasn't fun. Going another 12 miles, 72 miles in total wasn't fun. It's difficult. But obedience is more important than just the task. It was more than just, well, just do this. And, and I say this because in our Christian life, there are things that are tasks and then there's things that are obedience. For instance, uh, reading your Bible might be a task. And you might finish it in one whole year. You might finish it twice in a year. But listen, the, the task of just reading your Bible is good, but it's not the final goal. It's to know God. So whether it takes you a year to read your Bible or it takes you five years to read your Bible, listen, the goal isn't to read my Bible. The goal is to know God. If I know God... And if I want to, if I have a desire to know God, he's left me his word to know him. You see, obedience of knowing God is more important than just the task that make up some of our disciplines in the Christian life. Joseph learned that obedience is more important than the task. He also learned that obedience is completed when the task is finished. Not until he was going to find his brothers would he, was he going to settle for, okay, I've done what dad asked me to do. Not till then. It wasn't just reaching Shechem. It was, I've got to find my brothers. Obedience is completed when the task is finished. Partial obedience is disobedience. And that's why it's so important in our Christian life. Listen, we, we ought to obey all the way, not just halfway. We find in the Bible people like King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, where he obeyed God partly. God said, I want you to go and 
conquer this kingdom and I want you to kill the king. I want you to kill every uh, person that has rebelled. I want you to kill all the animals. And what did King Saul do? He went to the battle. He went to fight. God gave him the victory, but he kept some of them alive. When Samuel asked him, why did you keep? I, I hear animals. You're supposed to kill all the animals. And, and the king, I see that the king is still alive. You're supposed to wipe him out. You're supposed to wipe out all these animals. And why didn't you? And he said, well, you know, I was, I was going to offer him to God. And I, I was, I was going to give it as an offering. And Samuel said, but that wasn't what God asked you to do. Obedience is seeing the task done all the way. And notice what Samuel said in verse 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. In other words, God's not so impressed with you and I being at church. God wants to know what's in your heart. Are you here because you're fulfilling a task or you're here because, because you love God? Are you here because church is important to you? Because the word of God is a priority in your life? You see, obedience is important. It's important. It's getting things that are important to God done in our life. And give me lastly the blessings of obedience. The blessings of obedience. Joseph overcame. We don't have time to go through his whole life story, but if you read in chapter 38 and 39, you see that he was sold as a slave to Egypt, and he went up and rose in Potiphar's house, became the, the, the one in command, and then he was falsely accused, and then he was imprisoned and forgotten about, and then... Uh, he helped a couple of the prisoners that were there locked up with him, and then uh, one died, and the other one that survived forgot all about him till years later. And finally, uh, he was brought out of that prison and brought before the Pharaoh, and he interpreted a dream for Pharaoh, and then uh, got to be the, the second in command of all of Egypt. How was he able to overcome all of those through obeying, obeying, obeying? What are some of the blessings of obedience that we see in Joseph's life? Number one, it changed him. It changed him. Listen, obedience changed him, and it'll change us the same way. So many times in life, what we want is for others to change our circumstances. Or we want others to change, but we, we're the ones that are reluctant to change. We, we put up every excuse of why we can't obey. Well, my home situation is difficult. Well, you, you don't understand about my family. Well, you don't understand about my work. Well, you don't understand how tired I am. You don't, you don't understand the, the difficulties I'm going through. The trials that I'm facing. And so many times we want God to change everything and everyone else except us. You know what obedience does? Obedience begins to change us. It's kind of like being out in the rain. If you're out in the rain, you're going to get wet. There's no avoiding that. It's falling from the sky, literally. 
But being in the rain and getting wet, though it's a reality, isn't your only option. You can go out and get an umbrella. Now, if you open up the umbrella and stand under it, the rain is still coming down. And everything around you is still getting wet, but you are dry. The umbrella didn't stop the rain from coming down. It just kept you dry in the midst of it. You see what obedience does. It doesn't change everything around you. It doesn't change all the people around you. It changes us. And as it changes us, we become better. We begin to experience growth. We begin to know God in a deeper, more meaningful way. The blessing of obedience is that it changes you. Secondly, it prepares you. See, obedience always will be a molding factor in our lives. It's what will form us. It's what God will use so that we might accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our life. Obedience is. That's why I used to teach our young people in our youth group. You can ask them. I'd say you ought to honor and obey your parents. Even if your dad doesn't come to church, even if your mom doesn't come to church, you ought to honor them and obey them. You say, hey, but, but, but they, they cuss a lot. It's okay, you should honor them and obey them. They're your parents. Why? Because there's a blessing in obedience. I tell those that come from a saved home and they're in a, uh, they have a background of Christianity and, and uh, their parents come to church and say, you ought to obey and honor them as well. Oh, but they don't always understand me. They, uh, you know, the world's changed a lot in, uh, since the 80s when my dad and, and mom were alive. Yeah. And teenagers. Yeah, it has. You're right. Obey them. There's a blessing in that obedience. And in that obedience, you begin to learn some things. And as you get older, you start to notice that, you know what? Maybe they did know what they're talking about. It's amazing. I'm, I turned 40 this year. And it seems like the older I get, the smarter my dad gets. It's crazy. Right? right? There, there's so many things that I, I can remember him telling me as a 16, 17-year-old that now I see a whole lot more clearly. And I'm thankful that in, in a lot of those cases, not in every case, I wasn't a perfect child, but in a lot of those cases, I obeyed. Though I didn't really always understand it, I obeyed it. And you know what it, what it did? You know what God did with that? It began to prepare me. And I avoided some serious mistakes in life because I obeyed. The blessing of obedience is that it changes us and it begins to prepare us to do what God has called us to do, and let me give you a third blessing, and that is it strengthens us. When we obey, we are given strength needed to face the obstacles of life. As long as there's obedience in our lives, strength will not fail. As long as you're willing to say, yes, God, I'll go. Yes, God, I'll give. Yes, God, I'll do then God will give you strength to do and to give and to go. But it all falls on this of obedience. Obedience. Listen, 
2023, we were met with a lot of obstacles. Our goal was we just want to keep reaching. We, not, we, we may not reach every day a higher place, but man, we, we definitely don't want to fall. We want to keep trying and keep reaching and keep reaching. And throughout this year, we had some obstacles that we had to face as a church. And you as a family, as an individual, you had things that you had to face. And the way that you overcame them, if you, if you overcame them and if you're really honest and you begin to just meditate on how you overcame them, you'll find that obedience was the key. Is that God's word says, hey, when facing this issue, this is how you're to act. You know, when, when someone wrongs you, you are to forgive them. And if you obeyed God's word and you did that, let me tell you, you would have ended this year happier because of it. You end the year with the strength that you thought you, I thought I would never be able to talk with them again. And now I'm talking with them. Man, because I'm such a good person. No. But because you were obedient. And in that obedience, God strengthened you. And in that obedience, God prepared you to do something in this year that you hadn't done before. And that's why you're different. And I pray that in 2023, you were different than you were in 2022. And as we go into 2024, I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to be obedient to God. It's a secret to overcoming in life. Overcoming obstacles, trials, difficulties. Just obey the word of God. May not always understand why. You may not always agree with it, but man, the blessings of obedience is a life of overcoming. I don't know about you, but I, I want to go into 2024 overcoming. And I pray that you do too. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Father, thank you for the life of Joseph. It reminds us that obedience is the secret to overcoming. Well, Father, like Joseph, many of us have faced difficulties this year. There's been obstacles that we've had to overcome. Personal obstacles in our life, perhaps, of discouragement or of fear or of loneliness. faced obstacles as a church of having to stand for truth of having to preach and share your your truth with a world that disagrees with it and yet father as a result of obeying your word, we have overcome. Father, as we end this year, we thank you for the strength that you gave us. Thank you for changing us. Making us better than we were. Reaching more than we've ever reached. Father, I pray that as we go into 2024, we would go in with the same mentality the same desire to obey, to do more for you, and to overcome. 
Father, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit. That we might be able to obey your word and your truth. As the piano plays this morning, perhaps you're here and you're saying, Pastor, that's what I want. This year has been a year of overcoming, but as we go into 2024, I want it to be a year where that overcoming continues. I want 2024 to be a year in which I don't falter in my walk with God and where I can maintain myself being obedient to God in my life. Would you just pray for me that I can do that? Is there anyone like that? Just raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. God bless you. I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Father, this morning, we've raised our hands because we desire you. We desire to obey your word and your truth. Help us to overcome. Help us to obey your truth in every area of our life. Whether that's in the area of giving or perhaps in the area of forgiving someone. In the area of persevering. In the area of grieving. The area of discouragement. Whatever it may be, Father, I pray for your strength, for your power to obey your word. Be with us in this decision, I ask. In Jesus' precious name, amen.